Hi, I'm Nolan Watson, President and CEO of Sandstorm Gold Royalties. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Sandstorm is a streaming and royalty company. We've got hundreds of royalties uh, around the world, many of which are, are operating in cash flowing now. on. Have we met us before? Thank you. Live? I don't, I don't think so. I think this is our first time live. It's yeah, it's always been cool. on Zoom. It's yeah. quite cool. Um, look, we're at the conference in uh, Colorado Springs. Some big companies, including yourselves, in there. It's a lot of money trying to find out what's going on. What are you here for? Yeah, this is one of those conferences where it's just great to talk to our, our institutional investors. I know we've got a lot of retail investors, yeah. like tens of thousands of retail investors around the world, but we've got about uh, 200 institutional investors that own about 60% of the company. And it's conferences like this where I get the opportunity to meet with them face-to-face -face and, yeah. and hear what they're thinking and answer their questions. Right, but what do you want out of it? I think just hearing from investors, I know there's a lot of CEOs who yeah. like to go into these meeting rooms and just uh, tell investors what they're doing and why they're amazing and why the company is great. And yeah, we do a little bit of that, but just yeah. this is an opportunity to sit down with some of the smartest minds in the investing world in, in precious metals and, and hear how they're seeing the economy and they're seeing the world and, and what they want out of us. Oh man, what, what are they saying? I'm tricked. I'm hearing conflicting versions of events from ECB putting rates up last week. Will the Fed do it this week? Is that going to affect guys like you? What do they say? Yeah, I think something that we're we're commonly hearing is that with interest rates as high as they are, they're really surprised that gold is doing as well as it's doing. Well, and although people are nervous, they're they're actually quite excited for it. Can you imagine if the economy actually does turn over and interest rates start pulling back? What gold has the potential to do? Mm. There's a sheer amount of buying that's been happening out of central banks. There's there's been a liquidation of gold out of institutional investors. It's all being bought by central banks. Yeah. And if you see that institutional investor equation switch, so they become net buyers, I think the gold price could do really well. So people are trying to position themselves in this market for a big upswing in gold, but they're trying not to do it while taking on too much risk. So I think that's where Sandstorm plays well because we're a bit boring. Uh, we've got stable cash flow from a lot of world-class assets around the world. And so they can buy us knowing that we're not going to blow up, whereas development companies could blow up <laughs> over yeah. the next year, uh, but position themselves for an upturn in the market. It's, I'm going to stick with the macro just for a second longer. It's like, it, do you think the central banks are supporting some of the this offloading by institutional? Oh, they are definitively, yeah. So I, I'm on the board of the World Gold Council and we yeah. get all the data of who's buying what. And right. There's just an enormous amount of net buying at a central banks. I mean, you're seeing banks like Russia liquidate a little bit of gold to fund a war and in some of the more fragile yeah. countries doing that. But net net, central banks are big buyers of gold still today. But I'm intrigued, but I'm intrigued as to why. Is it just like we've got to support the, the, the economy or is there some underlying factor that? Because you're, you're also seeing you know um, nations like China, world's largest producer of gold, buying gold and paying a premium for it as well. So what's happening out there? Yeah, I think to answer that question, you have to think like a central banker. I mean, they've, they've got large amounts of reserves that the countries themselves have large foreign currency reserves and they have to put it into something. And historically, it's been the US dollar. And there's a big push by many countries around the world for de-dollarization of their foreign yeah. currency reserves. Yeah. They don't like the fact that so much of their foreign currency reserves are subject to US sanctions if they fall afoul of the US. Yeah. There's a bunch of countries, China included, that may or may not do things in the future that they know if they do it, the U.S. is going to put sanctions on them. So they don't want U.S. dollars in their foreign currency reserves. And if you look at what else do I put it in, mm. there's not a lot of great other currencies to put it in. There's a lot of developing countries around the world that you don't want, you don't want their currencies uh, in your foreign currency reserves. And gold's starting to look very, very good to a lot of countries. Right. And so R Russia, China, India, after St. Petersburg, maybe a whole bunch of African countries too, yep. looking for this de-dollarization. Um, clearly... Obviously, people want to kind of link gold to the dollar. They also want gold to kind of 
I don't know, um, su- support some of this predicament we find ourselves in, this overprinting of capital, wherever you are, whatever yep. currency in the world. Yep. So what is the role of gold going forward? I think that gold, you know, there used to be 10 years ago, people would say, well, we want to back the US dollar with gold. I just, I just don't see that uh, realistically happening. What I see happening is that gold is becoming a truly viable alternative to the US dollar. And uh, slowly, it's going to erode the value of the U.S. dollar. And, and well, I think we're going to see that play over the next 20 years. Right. So you're in the right commodity. We've established that. Yep. Okay. Your opinion. Um, I've, got, I've got to say, I'm looking at your share price. I am confused. It's a roller coaster. Just when I think I should be getting in, it comes off. And then I'm going to step and repeat. What's going on? Yeah, so I think the next year will be a little bit more boring compared to the past year. The past year, there were a bunch of... Uh, uh, underlying things that were happening to the stock based on large shareholders buying and or selling. So for right. example, when we bought a, a billion dollars for the assets over a year ago, we had to issue some shares to people that would not traditionally be shareholders of Sandstorm. Like Yamana ended up with $50 million with the right. Sandstorm shares and Glencore ended up with $50 million. Are they Sandstrom holding or share. selling down? So in the last year, they all sold down. So there'd be times where our share price started doing well, and then in one month, $100 million of net sales wow. happens. So a lot of those sellers who are not logical long-term shareholders of Sandstorm, they've, mm. they've all sold. And uh, we've seen those uh, shares being picked up by large fundamental long-term buyers. So literally in just the last four months, this is all public information based on disclosure of the funds. You know, mm. Companies like uh, Capital International and BlackRock have bought 20 million shares worth of, of Sandstorm. So they basically bought all of those shares mm. uh, of those sellers. Going forward, I think you're going to see sort of uh, a little bit more plain vanilla trading based on the fundamentals. Right. Are we going to see some plain vanilla trading from you? Because there's a kind of been a, again, a slightly erratic pattern of, of buying, trying to get that growth and that scale, which make you relevant. I get, I get that. But the way that you've done those deals with the shares plus cash and raising money and so forth, it, you, you knew what was going to happen. You prepared for that, presumably. And now we're going to a boring phase of a creative growth, are we? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately we are, or fortunately, depending on who you talk to, we are going to be a lot more boring for the next couple of years. Don't mind that. Yeah, so we uh, we, we bought a billion dollars worth of things. We had to take on some debt and had to issue some equity to do it. Those things, a lot of them are in construction right now. We have amazing minds that are in construction and our we'll capital is going to be, yeah. And, and, well, so I'll talk about them in a minute, but just from a high-level perspective, what we're hearing from our institutional investors and what we, we candidly just as a management team think is intelligent is with interest rates where they are, yeah. there's no more intelligent capital allocation than just paying down the debt that we took on to make those acquisitions. Right. So okay. looking at, at new acquisitions is not something that, that is on the table for us this year. We're going to be boring. We're going to pay down debt. We may sell some non-core assets to accelerate uh, that debt repayment. And we're just going to wait for those four amazing minds to get into production. So what's non-core? Not gold. So we own some uh, debt and equity investments in other companies that okay. we've taken on historically uh, that's, that we don't need to own, that, that some of that is non-core we'll look to potentially sell. Plus, we also have some more longer dated, non-cash flowing, non-core royalties that there might be more logical owners of those. And right. we'll see if we can monetize some of that and accelerate debt repayment. Okay. Well, let's talk about revenue because that's the name of the game here. You got, you afford near-term producing assets that add to that revenue. So tell us a bit about them and when that revenue can be expected or expected. Yeah. So, you know, this year, we'll, for example, we'll have about 95,000 royalty ounces. And by 2027, so just a few years away, we expect that number. Assuming we make no additional payments, no additional acquisitions, there's mm. no expiration upside, no unplanned expansions in anything, just based on four mines that are in construction, that number will go to about 125,000 ounces. So, you know, 30 plus percent growth um, 
at that number, cash flow would be about $170 million a year free cash flow for us uh, at only $1,800 gold. So even higher if gold stays where it is they- or gold goes higher, which I think it will. Um, but those assets are Equinox is building their Greenstone mine, a big open pit, low cost mine in Canada. That that mine should be up and running and producing next year. Uh, we've got um, Ivanhoe is building their Platte Reef mine in South Africa. We have a large gold stream on that that we inherited in the Nomad acquisition. And there's multiple phases of expansion, but that mine should be up and running and producing first gold next year. Uh, we've got Barrick, they're building their Robertson mine as part of the Cortez mm. trend in the U.S. And then SSR recently bought a 40% and operating interest in Hot Modern, and they're going into construction with that next year. And so those those four mines from, you know, large uh, large companies and or majors, it's uh, it's a pretty good place for us to be, and there's not a lot of risk to, uh, for us. Right, okay. So balance sheet first, sit back and make an intelligent allocation of capital for best retirement on that capital. That's it. Not a lot of effort. Yeah, no, it's it's uh boring. It's going to be boring. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think that's going to do for the for the share price? Cuz like I say, it's this erratic nature which people are kind of looking and not quite sure which what day of the week what's going to happen here. How, how do you kind of smooth those curves? Do you think this view to the uh, this 100 you say 127,000 ounces? Yeah, 125,000 ounces assuming no expert. You think people should you know, say look, this is just in terms of their investment in you, I'm talking about the retail, which is a big retail following here, and I'm sure you're talking to institutional guys and gals too, but for them, it's sit back and wait. This is a what company, dividend paying company eventually? Yeah, we're a dividend paying company now. We've got a, a 1% yield, and that will grow over time as we, the balance sheet right. gets stronger. Yeah. Well, that, that, I guess that's what they're looking to. So what, what are we in this? You need to drive share price. You need to increase dividends, because 1% is, the, the, there's better options out there for them. It's purely that. Yeah. Um, when you do come back into the market to buy, what have you learned in terms of the way that you structure it deals? Has it been the best way to do it? Yeah, well, one, of the, one of the things that we have the benefit of is, so with these four mines going into construction over the next few years, the next major purchase that we have, we've actually already locked down. So years ago, we bought an option to acquire a stream for $225 million on Glencore's Mara project. Um, they they are publicly saying now that they plan on beginning construction probably around 2026. Yeah, we'll have to spend 225 billion dollars at that time. That'll give us, uh, you know, 20,000 plus additional gold equivalent ounces per year, which would take our production to close to 150,000 ounces yeah. a year. You know, today's gold price would be over 200 million dollars a year free cash flow for us as a company. So we don't right. need to go out and buy things or be fancy or raise or, money or be creative or raise money or raise equity. Okay. Uh, you know, no equity financing is coming. Uh, for sure. So. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. For okay. Because like, it has, has been a tough you know, couple of years in terms of people, I guess, understanding the narrative or understanding the intent by you. But I get this. Boring is good. <laughs> Thanks. We'll see. <laughs>